we're back in Proverbs this morning. We'll be looking at uh, Proverbs chapter 31. And um, before I ask Sarah to come forward to read it, I do just want to introduce uh, the text that we'll be uh, looking at. <clears throat> As I said last week, the message uh, at the heart of Proverbs is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and that message really permeates the book of Proverbs like drops of ink in a bowl of water. But then as Proverbs closes, something really wonderful happens. That message, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that message gets turned into a picture. Um, Proverbs closes with a picture of a woman who fears the Lord. And it's wonderfully colourful, this picture in Proverbs 31. The woman here who fears the Lord is just vibrant and full of life, full of colour. Um, but unfortunately, much of the colour has been, in the minds of many, uh, drained out of it. I'll give you an illustration. Just this week, I turned on our television and the picture on the TV looked awful. All the colour had been drained out of the picture. And I don't know how it happened. Um, we have three children. I suspect it was the same child who also bit some of the buttons off the TV remote. In any case, it was an easy fix. I hit the settings button. Fortunately, that button hadn't been bitten off yet. Hit the settings button. Went to the picture menu, and then I scrolled down to these three words. And when I clicked these three words, all the colour came back into the picture on our television, and it looked beautiful and vibrant again. And these were the three words. Reset all settings. Just clicking those three words, reset all settings, brought all of the colour flowing back into our television screen. And there's a sense in which we need to let the words of this chapter do the same thing as those three words did to my television. We need to let this chapter reset our settings in terms of what it means to fear the Lord because we pick up a lot of, frankly, nonsense about what it means to fear the Lord. Especially, dare I say, about what it means for a woman to fear the Lord. The Lord, and we need to just let the words of this chapter reset all of that because this is the Lord Himself telling us what it looks like to fear Him. And if we truly fear Him, we will heed the words of this chapter and we will see, as we saw last week, that it is a very happy and very colorful thing to fear the Lord. So, with that being said, if I could ask Sarah to come forward and read Proverbs chapter 31. Thank you, Sarah. Proverbs 31, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. 
Give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff. Her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to all the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray together as we begin. Precious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would renew our minds by your word. We confess that we pick up so many wrong thoughts about who you are and who we are and who you call us to be as men and women and what it looks like to fear you, what it looks like to be humble. And we pray that you would work through this chapter um, to rid us of the wrong ideas that we have, and to put in their place right ideas about who you are and who we are and who you call us to be and what it means to fear you. May we be humble before you this, this morning and may you grow us in our humility that you might grow us in, um, in fruitfulness. May we grow in our reflection of this picture here and may we ultimately, in growing in our reflection of this picture, grow in our reflection of your Son, who perfectly feared you. And it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. So I want to look at uh, three things this morning. Firstly, and mainly, I want to look at the color of this picture, because it is such a beautiful, colorful, vibrant picture. In fact, it's so colorful, it's really, really difficult to put into words the picture that is painted here. And so we'll spend the bulk of our time here. But having done that, having looked at the color of this picture, 
As we close, I want to look at the conviction that this colourful picture should bring, and then flowing on from that, the comfort that we should take. So, colour, conviction, comfort. Firstly, the colour. Imagine with me that you're a painter, and you're a skilled painter, and someone commissions you to do a work. And they ask you to paint a picture of a woman who fears the Lord. Now, what do you paint? You know, 500 years ago, if you were asked to paint a picture of a woman who fears the Lord, you might paint a nun in the dark cell of her convent. There she is. Um, it's early in the morning. She's gaunt from fasting. She's got a rough robe against her cold skin, and she's completely separated from the world. No husband, no children, no inter- interaction with outsiders, certainly no interaction with outsiders who are men. Her whole day devoted to prayer and quiet spiritual contemplation. That's the picture you might paint 500 years ago. Today, the picture you might paint, uh, it might be a little bit different, right? So you, you, you might paint a woman who, who has a husband and children, so she's not, she has a home, she's not a nun in a, in a convent, but not totally different. Right? You might paint a, a woman uh, at home, uh, having her quiet time in her uh, dining room, or, or maybe instructing her children at home, doing something else within the four walls of her house. Regardless of the detail, though, regardless of the detail that you that you put into your painting of this woman who fears the Lord, you can guarantee that the picture many Christians would paint, based on their own sort of ideas of what it means to fear the Lord, the picture many Christians would paint, would not look like and does not look like the picture that the Lord himself paints of a woman who fears the Lord. It doesn't. Proverbs 31 is the picture that the Lord paints himself of a woman who fears the Lord. And not only does she look nothing like a 16th century nun in a convent with a rough robe on her cold skin, she doesn't really look a huge amount like the modern picture, maybe a little bit. But to be honest, this woman looks more like an ancient businesswoman than she does a modern housewife. She really does. Think of verses 14 and 15. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Think of how contrary this is to the modern picture, at least this aspect of the picture. Verse 15 very early in the morning. In fact, it's still nighttime. The whole house is still asleep. And she rises. Her husband's still snoring in the bed next to her, but she rises. And she rises not to go and have a quiet time in the dining room by herself. Instead, she dresses, she puts on her sandals, and she slips out of the house. And why does she do that? To provide food for her household and portions for her maidens. And it's clear, she's not just walking to the foursquare that's on the corner of her street. Verse 14, she brings her food 
from afar. She rises while it's, while it's yet night, and she goes on a big, long journey to go and get food. Like the ship of a merchant, she's going on a long journey to provide food. There's a sort of independence here, isn't there? And it only gets stronger in verse 16. Love verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Think about this picture. Maybe we can imagine it this way. On her way to buying food, she notices a field off the side of the road with a for sale sign. And she stops and she walks over to the field and it looks pretty good. And then she walks around the field and she thinks about its slope and the sun that it's going to get and she you know, inspects the quality of the soil and she thinks about its proximity to water and then she knocks on the door of the house next to the field and she asks, do you know who's selling that field? And the man says, I'm, I'm the one selling it. And he tells her the price and she says, I'll think about it. And then she goes and buys her food. And, and as she's going to buy her food, she thinks along the way about that field and, and all of the things that she inspected about it. And, and she thinks, you know what? For that price, that would make a really, really good vineyard. Everything about it would make a really, really good vineyard. And on her way home, she knocks on the door again, and she says, I'll take it. And they do the transaction. And there's not a word about her asking her husband's permission in any of that. There isn't. You can't read that into this. It's not there. Instead, the picture is this. For all we know, she gets home. He says, how was your morning? She says, good. I bought a field. I'm planting a vineyard. That's the picture here. And his response is what? Verse 11. Well, I trust your judgment on that. He trusts her. So maybe, if you go to go back to the, the beginning, in terms of painting this picture of, of a woman who fears the Lord, maybe you paint an ancient businesswoman. Now, that wouldn't be wrong, but that would only be part of the picture because you'd also have to paint someone who was a kind wife and a kind mother. Look at verses 25 to 28. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. You know, you have people who are really good at business, don't you? You have women who are really, really good at business, good at buying fields and so forth, but they're very bad at homemaking. They neglect their families because they're all about business, but that hasn't happened here. She may be independent in some sense, but that hasn't degenerated into neglect because her children rise up and they don't say, mum was never at home. She was always out buying fields. They don't say that. They bless her. Verses 26 and 27, they say that she's the wisest woman we ever knew. Her counsel was always so right and so kind. And though we were so very well taken care of, she was always hard at work for us. She was never flustered or anxious. Instead, she laughed at the time to come. So you'd have to somehow include that in your painting as well. Not, even, not just an ancient businesswoman, but also a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother. But even then, that's only part of the picture. Because you'd also have to paint someone who looked 
kind of like a humanitarian worker. Look at verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So there she is. She's not just doing good to her own household. She's not just kind to them, but out in the street, she's opening her hand to those who have nothing. So you'd have to somehow include a picture of a humanitarian worker. Not only that, but you also have to include as part of the picture someone who kind of looks like an artist or a fashion designer. Look at verses 21 and 22. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. So that's this picture. She comes across as sort of fiercely independent in one sense, yet she doesn't neglect her husband or her family. She has commercial savvy, and yet she's compassionate to the poor. She's compassionate to the poor, and yet her house and her family not clothed in burlap, beautifully clothed, fine linen, she works hard. She's really hard working, but she's kind and she's not flustered and she laughs at the future. And we could still say more, the point being the picture that the Lord paints of a woman who fears him is remarkably colorful, remarkably colorful. And I just want to say this for now. As I said earlier, this is a remarkably different picture from the one we might have whether 500 years ago or even today, based on some of the books that you get in Christian bookstores about biblical womanhood and so forth. There are so many notions of what it looks like for someone to fear the Lord, especially for a woman to fear the Lord, that are frankly foreign to the Bible, completely foreign. For example, you have people who say that women shouldn't be police officers or firefighters or work outside the home and to be candid people who say things like that simply don't fear the lord they don't because as we saw last week one of the ways in which fear of the lord manifests itself is what a refusal to add to his word a refusal to say the lord requires this when his word hasn't said that that's how humility fear of the lord manifests you refuse to add to his word Yet these men and women add to his word and say all sorts of things the Bible doesn't say about what it means to fear the Lord, specifically what it means for a woman to fear the Lord. And so you can just very safely ignore all of that nonsense. If it doesn't come from the word, if you can't find it in the word, just ignore it. And let this be your picture of a woman who fears the Lord, because this is the picture the Lord himself paints. You know, if you do that, as wonderful as it is to do, to let this be the picture in your minds of fearing the Lord, as wonderful as it is to do that, it's also very convicting to do that. So we come to our second heading, the conviction of this picture. And here I just want to look at two things. Firstly, just think about the way this woman is... Think about the way this woman is. Sometimes you hear people say, that woman, she's a superwoman. She can do anything that she turns her hand to. And that's how you would describe this woman. She can do anything she turns her hand to. In fact, notice how often her hand is referred to. She works with willing hands. 
With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She puts her hand to the distaff, hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Give her the fruit of her hands. It seems she can do anything. She turns her hands. She comes across, to use the modern term, as something of a superwoman, and that of itself is convicting. Because you look at the picture painted by your own life, and you look at the picture that she paints with her life, and you see a huge difference. Her life looks like the most beautiful painting. You look at your own life, you think it looks like a stick figure (laughs) compared to her life. And that's convicting. But what makes it even more convicting is why her life is the way that it is. Why is she like this? Why does she paint such a beautiful picture with her life? We've already seen the reason. She fears the Lord. This beautiful life is the result of fearing the Lord. And that's very significant. You know, you could easily jump on the internet, jump on Facebook, jump on Instagram right now, and see men and see women who look like Superman and who look like Superwoman. Right? They have these beautiful homes, beautiful families, and beautiful hobbies and all sorts. But all of it is done with reference to what? Not with reference to the Lord, but with reference to others. This woman is not like that. This woman is not the way she is so that her Instagram page and her Facebook page can look good. She doesn't go and buy a field, snap a photo of herself and say, hashtag field life. She doesn't do that. She's like this because she fears the Lord, because she's humble. Which means this is doubly convicting. Because if humility produces this beautiful picture, and my life doesn't paint this picture, then there's really only one conclusion. It means that in some way I'm lacking the humility that she has. But here's where the comfort comes in. There was someone who was perfectly humble, more so than this one, and who perfectly feared the Lord. And he painted with his life a picture even more beautiful than the picture that this woman painted with hers. Because he did more than plant vineyards and make clothes with his hands. He healed bodies with his hands. He gave sight with his hands. He gave hearing with his hands. He touched and healed lepers with his hands. He raised the dead with his hands. And those same hands that did all of that and wonderful love and humility were nailed to a cross in perfect humility. This woman may have led a a beautiful life, but she didn't die for any one of us in her humility. But Jesus did. And that's what saves us. You were saved. Not because you managed to do what this woman managed to do with her hands. You were saved because of what Jesus did with his hands. He allowed them to be pierced. He allowed them to be wounded so that you might be healed, so that you might be saved. And that's the comfort of this picture. It points us to the one who was perfectly humble, that we might trust in his work and the work of his hands and that alone to save us. And trusting him alone 
so that we might in turn grow in our reflection of this woman and ultimately of Jesus, living the beautiful life that comes only from fearing the Lord. Will you pray with me as we close? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be humble before you, that we would fear you so that we might grow in our reflection of this beautiful picture of fearing you. And we thank you that we're saved, not because we managed to do what the woman of Proverbs 31 did with her hands, but because of what Jesus did with his. He was crucified for us. May we rest in that, rejoice in that, and live in light of it every day. In Jesus' name, amen.